Welcome to another exciting episode of Patanjali Yoga Sutra Commentaries by respected Dr. Chinmay Pandya. Each episode delves deep into a selected set of sutras, so be sure to follow along and remember to revisit any episode you may have missed. We hope you enjoy and do stay connected with DSVV by following our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages using the handle at DSVVOfficial. Pranams from Shantikunj, Deva Sanskriti Vishwavidyalaya, Haridwar, India. Let us start with the recitation of the Gayatri Mantra. Gayatri Mantra, as we have discussed before, is the mantra that helps the sadhak to take the right path in the life. There are many paths in the life and each of them appear promising. Each of them look like that, yeah, we should take it. And life is full of these choices, options, possibilities. But which of them is the right one? And right one does not appear right, or right one is not right, because it is intellectually right, or it is emotionally right, or it is impulsively right. It is right because it is right as per our karma, sanskar and prarabdha. The only journey that we are in is the journey of the yoga, where each life that we are getting, each janma that we are getting is there for a purpose. It is there so that we can get rid of the additional karma bhar, the additional weight of the karma that we are carrying over our shoulders and removing them refining ourselves, reaching back to the point where we realize ourselves, self-actualization, self-realization. That is the purpose of the journey of the life. And that path which helps one to reconnect with themselves, Atma Pratishtha, as Sanskrit says, or Atma Sakshatkar, self-actualization, self-realization, remembering who we truly are. That is the path of yoga. And Gayatri Mantra helps one to take that path. So let us do the Gayatri Mantra together with a sentiment that our paths are brightened and they are illuminated, like sun illuminates the darkness of the earth. That remain together. Om Bhur Bhuva Swaha Tatsavetur Varenyam Bhargo Devasya Dhemahe Dheyo Pranam and welcome to everyone. We started to discuss the second chapter of the Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, Sadhanapad. And as the name suggests, this is the chapter dedicated to learn the techniques. The first technique that came was of the Kriya Yoga with the sole purpose of weakening the kleshas. 
and then Patanjali talked about the different kinds of kleshas, gave their definitions. Then he also gave the mechanism through which the klesh is giving birth to the karma and then karmasha is being created and that karmasha is responsible for our seen and unseen janma lives. It is responsible for jati ayubhog, our life, duration, span of life and the experiences of life and that Patanjali talked about. Then he talked about that, of course, everything appears to be dukkha, suffering, through this understanding. But then that dukkha, which is yet to arrive, the pain and anguish that we are yet to experience, that suffering, which is yet to knock at our door, he could be sent back. Not the one that we all already experienced, that's gone, past now. The one that we are experiencing right now is a manifested one. So it can only be weakened, but it cannot be abolished. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be completely destroyed, a word that he would use later on called Han. That cannot take place with the Dukkha which we are experiencing right now. But we can change the course of action of the one that is yet to arrive, anagat dukkha. So he talks about that. He said the reason for that to occur is because of a conjunction between drishta and the drishya, between the witness and the seen. We were supposed to be the witness. We were supposed to be an observer. We were supposed to be a person, an entity that was just watching this scene to unfold itself, Prakriti to do its own thing. And we were supposed to be the immutable, pure, luminous consciousness. And somehow we confused, somehow we started to become a participant. Rather than becoming a drishta, we became a karta. We started to take part, we started to join in action. and. This association that has taken place called Sanyoga, Patanjali says that needs to be broken. And then he defines Drishta also. Then he defines the Sanyoga also. He says the Sanyoga that takes place, it takes place because of Avidya. There is a wheel, there is a Avarana, there is a covering that covers our point of view of seeing this world. It gives us the wrong impression, this wheel gives us the wrong impression that we are a doer. While we were supposed to be the observer, we were only here to observe it, not to take part in it. But avidya makes one to think that they are also, they can join the action. Tasya hetuhu avidya. Patanjali says in the 24th verse, that the reason for that to occur is avidya and that ultimate ignorance because ignorance could be for smaller things also. It's not not knowing what is right. It's actually knowing which is wrong. So it is a ultimate kind of ignorance. It is a belief that is so deep that it gives birth to not one life forms but many life forms umpteen number of life forms. It continues, it's so deep. So he says, tasya hetuhu avidya. So if that is the one that is responsible for everything, then 
Well, we need to tackle that. So he says, tad abhavat, absence of avidya. Abhav means absence, devoid. So he says, tad abhavat, sanyogaha abhavat. So absence of avidya would lead to absence of sanyog, that connection, that equation that we have created with the prakriti and drishya, hanam. And that leads to absolute, the penultimate, the final freedom. Tadrishya kevalyam. And then drishta reaches to a state that is called kevalya. Now he points out about the fourth chapter that would be there. It's the ultimate state. Samadhi and kevalya are slightly different. In samadhi, all the vrittis of chitta, they are diluted. But it does not mean that the pure consciousness has accomplished its own purpose. I may have nothing to do with the prakriti, but does not mean that I have realized that what I truly am. I may reach to a state where I have got no further contract and no further business and no further functions and operations. If I have reached to that state, I have reached to the state of samadhi. But that doesn't guarantee that the pure consciousness has also understood its own mechanism. It's also reached to a state of pure consciousness within. Technically, Kaval is a state where I am aware of awareness only and nothing else. That's it. So then, in that state, nobody is drishta anymore. It's only state, Kaval. Nothing is left. Because no one is watching anything. No one is witness to anything. If I am still witnessing something, then I am somewhere there. If I am also gone, there is nothing. Then that state is the state of Kavalya. How would we get that final freedom? Hanopaya. Opaya means measure. How would we get it? What's the way of getting? And Han is the final freedom. So he says, Viveka khyate. Aviplavo Hanopaya. That Viveka khyate, where I become an entity. We don't know how to define it because I is gone, drishta is gone, karta is gone, there is nothing left. And in that state, he says, a viplav. Viplav means chaos, one that is disturbed. There is no further disturbance, it is absolutely calm. Anupaya. That viveka khyati is the way to accomplish that final freedom. Then, if you have listened carefully, then you would know, Patanjali never introduces a word if he is not going to give the definition of it in the following verses. He always does it. He brings a new understanding and then he starts to explain it. That's the beauty of Patanjali. He would say, okay, Yoga chitta vritti nirodha. Then he would immediately define the vrittis. Then he would define nirodha, abhyas vairagya, abhyamta nirodha. And moment he would define that what you would do with the abhyas and vairagya, he would define how you would reach, what is the next step. And then he would define the techniques for it. It's all interrelated. They are such beautifully connected verses that no single word has been used by Patanjali for the sake of using it. They are all there with a very specific intention and with a very divine objective.
सो नाउ इमीडिएटली पातंजलि वुड टॉक अबाउट हाउ टू अटेंड द विवेक ख्याते एंड बिफोर दैट ही सेज इवन समथिंग दैट इज सो स्पेशल दैट नो वेज ऑफ एक्सप्रेशन कुड डू जस्टिस टू इट ही मैंशन्स द ट्वेंटी सेवेंथ वर्ड्स तस् सप्तधा प्रांत भूमि प्रज्ञा तस् मीन्स दैट पर्सन और दैट एंटिटी और दैट बींग और दैट कॉन्शियसनेस विच हैज रीच टू ए स्टेट ऑफ विवेक ख्याते सप्तधा सेवन टाइप्स प्रांत भूमि अल्टीमेट प्रज्ञा दैट पर्सन आई वुड यूज इट फॉर द सेक ऑफ यूजिंग इट ऑल दो ही मे और मे नॉट बी ए पर्सन बाई दैन ही हैज गॉट एट दैट स्टेज ऑल्सो एट दैट अल्टीमेट प्रांत भूमि स्टेट ही सेज ही स्टिल कुड हैव सेवन डिफरेंट स्टेजेस ऑफ द प्रज्ञा द ल्यूमिनस नॉलेज दैट इज कमिंग फ्रॉम बियॉन्ड प्रज्ञा इज द इंसाइटफुल डाउटलेस द ल्यूमिनस नॉलेज that is coming from the other dimension which cannot be defined and described by anything that we know in this world and just imagine that how special it is it is very special that he even gives the classification of the final state i mean people think okay i started to do yoga today and then tomorrow i would have the kundalini jagrat and then next day i would be like buddha and then flying in the sky just imagine that he started with the hardest thing possible like people think even reaching to a state of vairag is an accomplishment and then after vairag he talked about abhyas and then other abhyas then ishwar pranadhan and then also seven parikarma and then sampragya tasampragya sabij nirbij savichar nirvichar it continues and now even when we have reached to the vivekyati he said no 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 not yet don't rush there is no hurry this thing has been going on for millions and millions of years so you cannot be there just in a jump need to be patient so he said even now there are seven different stages what are the stages first he says it's not there but it's in the it's not there in the verse of dupatanjali but it is there in the commentaries so he says seven different stages are there what are the stages first stage he says is the gaya shunya gaya means what is there to be known shunya means zero so person or sadhak reaches to a state where whatever there was to be known has been known nothing is left further to be known whatever was there to be known he has access to the hard drive of the world he can see everything feel everything know everything nothing is left for him or her to be known gaya shunya then he says he shunya whatever was the cause of suffering he means cause if you remember the words heyam dukham anagatam he says he whatever is the cause of suffering that has also been known no further cause has been left to be known third stage is prapya prapya which means 
whatever was there to be attained has been attained. He has attained everything that was there. Then comes the fourth state which is Chikirsha Shunya and he defines it as whatever was there to be accomplished has been accomplished. These first four, Ge Shunya, He Shunya, Prapya Prapya, Chikirsha Shunya, they all are called Kare Vimukte because they are related to doing something. So nothing is left to be done by the person. Everything that was there to be done has been done. Now whatever is left is related to Chitta. So the remaining three are related to the Chitta Vimukti. First four are related to the Karya Vimukti. Last three are related to the Chitta Vimukti. And fifth, which is the first in Chitta Vimukti, is Kritarthata of the Chitta. I am purposely using the Hindi words because it is going to be difficult to translate them uh, phonetically in English, like in terms of the finding the right word for translation. So I use the right Hindi word, but explanation would help you to understand. Kritarth means accomplishing the purpose. What does it mean? It means that Chitta has accomplished its purpose. What was the purpose of Chitta? Either of the two things, either doing the bhog or a poor. Chitta can be used to experience the world. We can go and take this path of seeing, feeling or doing whatever we would like to do in this world. That is like you know purpose, bhog or apvarg. Apvarg means liberation. So now because it has reached to the liberation, it was already doing the bhog earlier on. It has done its purpose. It is redundant now. It has got no further reason to be there. So Chitta reaches to the state where it is not needed anymore. Imagine that state where Chitta is not even needed. Gunvilinata. So then it becomes diluted into the gunas of the Prakriti. Gone. Dissolved back into the gunas of the Prakriti. And then reaches the final state of Kevalli called Atma Isthite. Swarupi Avasthanam. If you remember, in the third verse of the first chapter, he says, Tada Drishtu Swarupi Avasthanam. The sadhak becomes permanently seated in its true consciousness. That is the state that yogi has reached now. Tasya Saptadha. Pranta Bhumi Pragya, 27th verse, he says that after accomplishing a state of the Viveka Khyati, person still has these seven steps to take. Then finally he reaches Taddrishya Kevalyam, then he reaches to a state of Kevalya. And in these seven states, first four are related to whatever needs to be done has been done. And remaining three are related to the chitta. Chitta has served its purpose, redundant now, is dissolved back into the prakriti's gunas, and only the consciousness has remained connected with the consciousness. And it is interesting that we use these seven states here because these seven are very important. There are seven rishis 
uh, which have give birth to everything even where i am sitting right now is the is the tapasya bhumi gurudev chose the place of shantikunj because it is the place where seven major rishis which gave birth to all major traditions all major wisdom traditions of india and possibly everywhere else they did their whole tapasya penance austerity on this very land that's why this place where shantikunj is located it's called saptarishi and saptasarovar so they are very interesting these seven layers the seven chakras whether you call them that each are related to the illumination of one particular chakra or you can call the seven layers of consciousness like karbala teachings are mentioning but whichever way you see this metaphor the idea is that even at the final state there are seven steps to take that's why even in india when marriage is taking place the bride and groom they take seven steps before entering into the wedding tradition they call it saptapadi that you go through the seven different steps and in the same manner there are seven steps that are being taken now by the sadhak before it reaches to the ultimate penultimate the final state and patanjali calls it saptadha prant bhumi pragya how would you get that viveka khyate so he comes to the most popularly known tradition or technique of the yoga which everyone knows about who has been on the path of yoga called ashtanga yoga so now in the this verse patanjali is mentioning the first time yogaanga the limbs of the yoga so he says yogaanga anushthanat अशुद्धिक्षय ज्ञानदीप्ति आविवेक ख्याते दैट बाई फॉलोइंग द प्रैक्टिस अनुष्ठानात मीन्स द प्रैक्टिस योगांग मीन्स लिम्स ऑफ योग बाई फॉलोइंग द प्रैक्टिस ऑफ द लिम्स ऑफ योग टू थिंग्स हैपन अशुद्धिक्षय इम्प्योरिटीज आर रिमूव्ड अशुद्धि मीन्स इम्प्योरिटी वॉट इज द इम्प्योरिटी इम्प्योरिटी इज नॉट Uh, doing something wrong impurity that we have actually gathered around us is not remembering who we truly are we are already pure not remembering it is the impurity so he says ashuddhikshaya it does to the removal of the ashuddhi gyana deepte and giving birth to the inner light and that process aviveka khyate that is the viveka khyate and that's a very interesting verse it is an interesting verse because these two are interconnected what patanjali is saying that we are already illuminated but we have got the dust over us this dust or dirt just like on the fireball if the ash covers it it loses its radiance but moment you remove the ash it's back to its luminous form same is true with us we are already illuminated we already enlightened it's not something new that we are supposed to get it's just forgetting or purifying or cleaning that we have wrongfully accumulated ashuddhikshaya that leads to viveka khyate 
That's why all the yoganga practices that you would see, all the practices of Ashtanga Yoga, they are the practices of removing the impurities. All the wrongs that we have gathered around us, they shall be purified, they shall be forgotten. So he says that this yoganga anushthanat, and anushthanat is again interesting. Anushthan is a word that we, at least in Gayatri Parivar, we use very frequently. Everyone is doing some kind of anushthan. And anushthan is a very rigorous, disciplined, uh, strategic practice. For what purpose? For the purpose of unleashing something from within. Like there is already butter inside the milk, but you need to churn it. There are fruits on the trees, but you need to pluck them. There is grain, there, is, uh, there are grains inside the land, but you need to plow them. They cannot be given automatically, they need to go through a process. Only by going through the process, that possibility that is there inside can be unearthed. It can be unleashed, it can be unveiled. And that process of unveiling, which is already there, but needs additional measure to bring it out. That additional measure is the Anushthan. So he says, by following that practice of Yoganga, these Ashta, Anga of the Yoga, these eight limbs of Yoga, one can do two things. One, that impurities are removed. Second, illumined knowledge comes from within. And this is an interesting one because Jnana, he purposely uses the word Jnana Deepte. Why? There is, first understand the word Deepte. Deepte is the light of the lamp. And light of the lamp has a specific quality. Once you light a lamp and you use the matchbox or lighter, whatever you do, you light it. It always follows a specific kind of pattern. There is this like, you know, flame and there is a bluish kind of hue in the middle of it. It would never be bigger than that. You would never see a flame that big. It would always be that big. It reaches to a state which cannot be expanded anymore. And that is called Deepte. It is a permanent state of radiance. There is no further beyond it. And he uses this word very specifically because you can have the knowledge, you can have the wisdom from other sources also. People can read the Vedas, Upanishad, they can be good in analytics, they could be very good in their own emotive way of thinking, they would have greatest uh, uh, power over the vocabulary. Doesn't mean that it's a illumined knowledge. Illumined knowledge comes from within. So he says that that can only happen if we are able to remove the impurities. So the crux here, so the emphasis here is on removing the impurities. The purpose of the Ashtanga Yoga is removing the impurities. Three different types of yoga Patanjali have introduced. First was Abhyas, Vairagya Abhyam, Tannirodha. First chapter, twelfth verse. And that is Samadhi Yoga. What does it do? Chitta Vritti Nirodha. Remember, it does the stilling of the Vrittis of the Chitta. Then came the second Kriya Yoga, Tapaswadhyayish Second chapter, this chapter that we are talking, first verse. And what is the purpose? The purpose is Klesh Tanu Karanartha. It is the purpose of doing this is to weaken the Kleshas. And now, Ashtanga Yoga, what is the purpose of Ashtanga Yoga? 
पर्पज ऑफ द अष्टांग योग इज अशुद्ध क्षय रिमूविंग द इम्प्योरिटी सो दैट द इल्यू माइंड नॉलेज द विवेक ख्याति फ्रॉम इन साइड कैन शाइन बैक एंड दैट इज द आइडिया सो द क्वेश्चन कम्स वॉट आर दैम सो ही सेज यम नियम आसन प्राणायाम प्रत्याहार धारणा ध्यान समाधि अष्टौ अंगानी यम नियम आसन प्राणायाम प्रत्याहार धारणा ध्यान समाधि यू ऑल नो अष्ट मीन्स एट अंग मीन्स लिम्स दीज आर द एट लिम्स ऑफ योग यू वुड फाइंड द सेम इन द आयुर्वेद आयुर्वेद इज बेस्ड ऑन अष्टांग हृदय देर इज ऑल्सो अष्ट अंग देर आर ऑल्सो एट लिम्स इवन द वेदाज आर बेस्ड ऑन द अंग देर आर वेदांग लाइक शिक्षा निरुक्त व्याकरण कल्प छंद ज्योतिष दे आर देयर दे आर द वेदांग दे आर कॉल्ड द अंग्स ऑफ द वेदाज एंड आइडिया ऑफ द अंग लिंब वॉट इज द आइडिया ऑफ द लिंब नॉट ओनली दे आर इम्पॉर्टेंट बट दे आर इम्पॉर्टेंट एज ए होल इफ आई हैव गॉट माई वन हैंड इज गॉन देन नॉट ओनली लिंब इज गॉन एन एबिलिटी ऑफ माई बॉडी टू डू ए सर्टन थिंग इज गॉन now i cannot do a thing from this hand it's not like only my arm is gone it's my whole integrity has been broken same thing is here patanjali is not only saying that these are limbs in terms of stages they are graded uh, of graded importance they are important as a whole they are important together like if somebody has got everything else and he says oh i have got samadhi already but have you got yama niyam no then that samadhi is pointless first of all you won't get it it won't be called samadhi second if somehow somebody would get it then it is of no importance he says it has to be done together then only they are of penultimate importance and these eight limbs they are actual process of the graded transformation of the human being the whole idea of the yam is channelizing one's urja channelizing one's energy to inside rather than that side it's channelizing towards inside and what is the purpose of niyam niyam gives the discipline to that urja so that it could be used for a specific purpose and only if my urja my energy my power has been disciplined and directed it needs to think yam is giving the direction niyam is giving the discipline then only body could be still otherwise you ask people to be still and they are forcing themselves to be still but there is no asan taking place because they are doing it by forcing by restraining themselves so then only a body could be truly still and if body could be disciplined directed and still then only you can work on the prana then comes the pranayam and if you are able to control the prana then you can control it both ways not only going in and coming out it can control it both ways then you can also withdraw the prana from the senses and withdrawing the prana from the senses is pratyahar and if i am able to withdraw the prana from the senses then i can use them i can point them i can direct them to be absorbed in one point of concentration that is dharana 
then only the dhyan could take place then my consciousness is flowing towards that object uninterruptedly and then comes the true samadhi so these eight limbs of yoga are not just random things compiled together they are there with a specific purpose of using the energy of the person first giving it a direction then giving it a discipline then allowing the body to find the right balance then finding the prana to be balanced and then after prana withdrawing the prana from the unnecessary use of the senses and then they are being concentrated on a particular point dharana dhyan samadhi so these eight limb that patanjali mentions they are there for a specific purpose then comes the yamas he says ahinsa satya asteya brahmacharya parigraha yama yama are five in number and the fives are ahinsa satya asteya aparigraha and brahmacharya they are like you know could be translated in english but i would prefer to use the sanskrit term so that i can explain it properly because sanskrit is a beautiful language uh, before that in india we used the language called prakrit and prakrit means which came naturally but then it needed to be refined it needed to be given a meaning and when it was given a meaning behind then it was called sanskrit sanskrit means the refinement so that language came with a specific purpose so in sanskrit no word is used for no reason ahinsa is the first one and ahinsa not only the yogic tradition but buddha dharma jain dharma that is there as a central and foremost principle everywhere it is the most important one that's why in the in the sanskrit scriptures there is a word called ahinsa parmo dharma that it is the greatest dharma that could ever take place if you are able to have the ahinsa you can do everything else how come i will tell you in a second so ahinsa everyone says is the most important vyas even uses a very beautiful analogy he says ahinsa is like the footstep of the elephant it's so big that it actually covers the footsteps of everyone else if elephant walks then if there were footsteps of deers or lions or tigers or bear or anyone makes no difference it would cover everything so he says ahinsa is like the footstep of the elephant it can cover anything and ahinsa means ahinsa he says sarvabhutanam anabhidrohah to every single being on this planet having a desire not to hurt it that is ahinsa not only non violence he says not even a thought and emotion taking birth in us not only an act of non violence but even not having a sentiment insides to hurt them anabhidrohah to do anything that would harm them or hurt them that's why mahatma gandhi used this as the single principle of his life his autobiography is called my experiments with truth and non violence and it is because of this very principle that ahinsa 
non-violence, so not the best translation, but ahimsa, if we use the translation as non-violence, that is the biggest dharma. If you are able to follow it, you are able to follow everything else. And I will tell you in a second. But how? Because it would mean not doing anything hurtful to anything. Anything would mean not only human beings, also the plants, also the other beings, also the beings that were gone, also the beings that are yet to arrive, also to the beings that cannot be seen, and also to yourself. He says, do not start, because many people make the mistake of not being violent to others, but then they start becoming violent to themselves. That is not the idea. He says, the idea is to be equally respectful and careful to yourself. Ahinsa leads to satya. Satya is like truthfulness. But then, even a detailed definition has been given. Not only there is a saying that comes, satyam bruyat, priyam bruyat, na bruyat, apriyam, which says apriyam satya. It means that one, it should be the right thing to say. Right thing not only by the vachana, not only by what I am saying, but also from the mind. There should be no discrepancy in what I think and what I say. First he says this layer should not be wrongful, both should be right. Second it should not be hurtful. He says bhutopaghat is the word that Vyasa uses. He says it should not bring any kind of hurt and damage to the other person. There comes a very famous story, a story of a saint who was doing the penance and he had followed the truthfulness all his life. And then he was doing the in samadhi, a state of meditation. Some people came running to him. And then they said that uh, some like you know bad people are following us. They may kill us. Uh, can we hide in your uh, hut? And he nodded, said yeah. Oh. Then these people came and they said that uh, did you see some people uh, running before us? Where did they go? So saint actually thought that I am doing the dharma, I am doing the righteous thing. So he said, if I would tell a lie that I don't know where they have gone, then it would be wrong. So he pointed out towards where they were. So the robbers went and they killed those people. Now went he, like you know, went up and they were doing the calculation of his karma. They were making an analysis. They said, oh, you have... You have committed a sin of murdering people. He said, how come? I never even did anything wrong to anyone. I always followed a path of Satya and Ahinsa. They said, no, no, no. You hurted that, those people. You are responsible because you could have chosen to say something else. Even you could have chosen to be in silence in that point. But you decided to tell the truth that led for those people to be killed. So, Patanjali says, not only the truthfulness, but also the truthfulness that would not hurt anyone. Ahinsa. Because it is also underpinning Ahinsa. That's why the analogy is used Ahinsa as the Paramadharma. Because if one is following the path of Ahinsa, 
he, his satya would also be full of ahinsa. His truthfulness would also be with a feeling of not hurting someone. Then comes the asteya. An asteya is famously translated as not stealing. He says, no, 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 that's a very superficial translation. Not stealing, not stealing, but having a desire to steal is equal the same. I may not get the, like, you know, I may not have, whether I don't know whether the word courage is the right, but some, many people want to steal, but they don't have the guts to steal. They cannot go and just steal from somebody's house. So, that doesn't mean that if you have the desire and you have the thought and you have the willingness to do it, but you are not doing it, does not mean that uh, you have reached to a stay. He said, it should also have a feeling of aspriha that it doesn't belong to me. I shouldn't even bother about it. And I should not take something from someone that would bring hurt or damage to that person. And that would mean even the knowledge. That would mean even the uh, sentiments and emotions. So he says, aste has got deeper meaning. Again, underpinning thought is ahimsa. Then comes the brahmacharya. Many people translate brahmacharya as celibacy. It's not that simple. Brahmacharya means, charya means way to live. Brahma means like divine. It's a divine way of living. Person who is not hurting anyone, following a path of truthfulness, has got no desire to take anything from anyone, he is living a divine way. And then comes the aparigraha. Aparigraha means not only that not accumulating things, many people just translate it as not accumulating, not even bothering about something that was mine and something that is gone. It was never mine, so why should I even worry about it? There comes a very interesting story. In stories of a famous king in India called Janak. And once a sadhu came to check that how come Janak being a king is such a famous yogi. So he went and he went to see Janak and Janak was going to take a bath in the river. So he followed Janak. And he only had one loin cloth. So he was not, Sadhu was not wearing anything. Only had one pair of loin cloth that he left in the mansion of the King Janak. And when they reached to the river, in the river Janak, King and Sadhu, they both started to take the like bath. They were taking a dip in the river. And suddenly, a Sevak, like you know, a servant came running and said to King Janak, he said, Sir, your mansion is uh, on fire. It's burning down. Moment Sadhu heard this, he rushed back to the mansion that my loincloth is there. He only had one pair of loincloth. And he rushed to get the loincloth. Then he saw the King Janak. He was still taking the bath, not even a singest, like you know, a smallest kind of uh, worry came to his face. He was just in the same phase. He was still taking. So he went to him and said, are you not going? Like your mansion is on fire. Janak said, it was never mine. How can it be mine now? Aparikra. Sadhu realized that I am running for a loincloth. And this guy, his whole mansion is on fire. He doesn't even think that it belongs to me. 
it was never mine so even if it is gone then who cares so patanjali says ahinsa satya aste brahmacharya aparigraha yama then he gives one of the most strong statements that you would see in any yogic scripture he says jati desh kal samay anavichanna sarvabhoom mahavratam mahavrat means great vows greatest vows they are used exactly with the same accolade and same upadhi in jain tradition in buddha tradition they are called mahavrat and he says sarvabhoom sarvabhoom means universal everywhere they are persistent pervasive universal and anavichinna which i will explain in a second because it's a very strong statement he says jati means uh, category desh place kal and samay is time and circumstances anavichinna not limited to so patanjali is saying these vratas which one the one that we just talked about ahinsa satya brahmacharya aparigrahaste he says they are not only universal they are not only limited to any kind of category place time circumstances also they are non negotiable anavichinna not only you are supposed to follow them but breaking them would mean that you are not following the path of yoga and nobody can be as strict and straight forward as patanjali has been jati how would jati would mean like somebody would say okay i am from a particular religion and i cannot eat like you know a particular kind of meat but i can eat another kind of meat no 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 says no if you are vegetarian you are supposed to be vegetarian regardless of it desh i say no no only belongs to the people in india it has got nothing to do with people in italy or nothing to do with people in pakistan he said makes no difference they are same time circumstance same he says do not bring an excuse you are supposed to follow it and there is no exception to it they are non negotiable he says that do not come with an application that i cannot do it nobody is going to listen to it they are non negotiable they are permanent they are universal and they are the greatest vows if you are a follower of the path of yoga this is the first state and first stage you are supposed to follow they are the mahavrat so we talked about that if you are there to create the absence of the vidya it leads to hanam and the way to get the hanam the final freedom is vivekakhyati vivekakhyati he talked about even seven states of the insightful knowledge then comes the yogaanga ashtanga yoga he introduces them 
and names them. And then we talked about the first yoganga, yama. And purpose of the yama is to give the direction. So we talked about five yamas that he also declares as non-negotiable, universal and Mahavrata. They are the Mahavrata's greatest vows. So we end here today. Thanks for patiently listening. We do the Shanti part together. Om Deo Shanti Rantaharikshagvam Shanti Prithaveh Shanti Rapah Shanti Roshadayah Shanti Vanaspatayah Shanti Vishwedevah Shantir Brahma Shantir Sarvagvam Shantir Shantir Eva Shantir Sama Shantir Om Shantir 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 Sarvarishta हमारे YouTube चैनल शांति कुंजक वीडियो गायत्री परिवार को सब्सक्राइब करें एवं बेल आइकन जरूर दबाएं ताकि गायत्री परिवार की विभिन्न गतिविधियों की जानकारी आपको मिलती रहे